No, are you ready, Ma? I'm ready again. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. Ah, the Big Apple. The when city that never that, sleeps. I thought, wow, we don't do much in the flyover states. We might ought to work on that. We don't, or classic American films don't. Well, true, it's not our fault. I mean, we could say, like, yeah, we don't do a lot of Hispanic films or a lot of Asian films. Yeah, that's true. But when you're doing classic, you're doing this is American white people films. (laughs) This is white. This is a yeah. This is white Hollywood here. And I'm pretty sure Miracle on 34th Street is pretty big in the flyover states. So welcome, listeners from the flyover states, for this week's Miracle on 34th Street. Ding. I don't know. I, I had nothing there. <laughs> I, I noticed. Thanks for stepping in. The holiday season is in full swing when a cultured gentleman with twinkling eyes... An ample belly and snowy beard is hired by Macy's as the Santa. He claims his name is Chris Kringle and fills everyone with Christmas spirit except his boss. Wah, wah, bosses. <laughs> Merry Christmas, bosses. Yeah, that's a, hard, that's a hard job. It's a hard job, I'm sure it is. The particulars... Miracle on 34th Street. It was released widely on May 2nd, 1947. May! Yeah. All right, nerd alert. Nerd alert, go for it. So it was released in May because... Wait, where did my nerd alert go? Oh, no, I lost my... I know why it was. I'm looking for the... Go off the cuff because I didn't write it down, but I know it It was it because Dar- I was looking at the Zanuck. I think it... I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Daryl F. Zanuck. He said that... Oh, Daryl F. Zanuck said more people go to the movies in warmer weather. Yeah. So they kept it... A cr- <laughs> so when they were they promoting the film, they kept <laughs> the fact that Miracle on 34th Street is a Christmas movie. And so, uh, full disclosure, coming back behind the scenes and stuff, I started watching the film last night. I usually watch it on Friday night. And I got to this one part about an hour into the film, and I kept falling asleep. And I kept waking, like, you know, the thing where you, like, doze off and stuff? Mm-hmm. The old people sleep. And so then I kept rewinding it, and like, okay. And I would go, <laughs> I kept falling asleep and waking up at the same spot, going back and forth How five funny. times, like literally uh-huh. five times. Cause I'm like, there's only 30 more minutes of this. I can do it. Yeah. It's not that late. And then finally I had to give up. So I did my particulars. Usually I watch the whole film and then do the particulars. I did my particulars after seeing half of the film. So I came across this. And so then while I'm watching the rest of the film, I'm just, how did they market? <laughs> how did they make people go, oh, Miracle on 34th Street and keep the fact that it's a Christmas? Like, because the entire movie is about this guy who says that he's Santa Claus and people being like, you're not Santa Claus. So you can't be, yeah. I, what they did, maybe you've seen some of those old trailers where 
they didn't really show any of the movie, but they were they on, couldn't. They were on the back lot of the studio, and they got a whole bunch of their uh, big stars and stuff that were on the studio lot to say, "Oh yeah, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, guys, that's a great film. Go see it. Trust yeah. me, you'll have a great time." <laughs> what kind of what kind of miracle could it be? Well, I, I don't know. 1947. I, I assume that people were just really happy that the war was over. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and the right people had won. Yeah, so. they're just like, man, that's good. And then a whole lot of people, you know, lives are just shattered and stuff. So there was also that. Of, yeah. You know, the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, maybe maybe some of the war dead came back to life. That would be a great miracle. Yeah, it just depends on your perspective, like everything. Yeah. Nobody has Santa to bring somebody back from the dead. Although we'll get to it later. Okay, it was directed by George Seaton, who also Have did... we ever heard of him before? Well, he did Teacher's Pet Airport and The Country Girl, which conti- <sighs> Our next season of Gone with the Bushes, we have to do The Country Girl. We have to, because we've talked about it for low these many... Times. The Country Girl and Green Dolphin Street seem to every week pop up. Mm. It was also written by him. He also uh, wrote A Day at the Races. So maybe that's how we knew from A Day oh, at the Races. Okay, okay. He was we uncredited. Did he did uncredited work on Stage Door and The Wizard of Oz and Moon Over Miami and The Song of Bernadette. He was real, he was real multi hyphenate kind of guy he could okay you know comedy i mean mark's brother script he wrote this then he was like into broadway and stuff uh the story is by valentine davies who also wrote the benny goodman story the bridges the bridge at toko rye and it happens every spring to name a few music by daryl Kolker. he did a lot of cartoon work and also The Poet and the Peasant, music from Chopin. Is it Chopin? C-H-O-P-I-N? Well, we always, I've always heard it pronounced Chopin. Oh, because I've heard Chopin, but then when I see it, I think Chopin. Yeah, because that's phonetically correct. Right, but Chopin is the same as Chopin. Okay. I, we're going to go with yes. And it came from hell. The DPs are Lloyd... Airhin, Airhern, Ahern, and Charles G. Clark. It was edited by Robert L. Simpson. This guy edited over a hundred feature films. Uh, South Pacific, The King and I, and The Grapes of Wrath, just to name a few. Wow. I know. Starring Maureen O'Hara as Doris Walker. Quite a beautiful Maureen O'Hara. She was in Jamaica Inn, A Bill of Divorcement, How Green Was My Valley, Rio Grande, The Quiet Man, The Parent Trap, Only the Lonely, Nerd Alert, She's Buried in Arlington National Cemetery. How did she get in Arlington? Stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. Tasty nugget coming. We have John Payne. He was... Uh, Fred Galley. He was also in The Razor's Edge, Hats Off, King of the Lumberjacks. This John Payne was in so many movies. And yet I saw none of them. Right. 
I'm like, I've never heard of any of these things, but this yeah. guy was steady working, just oh. cashing them checks. Well done. Also, he was a World War II flight instructor in the uh, Army Air Corps. Well done. Thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Edmund Gwen was Chris Kringle. He was in Mr. 880, Foreign Correspondent, Green Dolphin Street. Here I always, we go. I always call it Green Street Dolphin, but it's Green well, that's Dolphin you're Street. <laughs> we don't laugh at that. At the, I do. I can't because it's too. funny. <laughs> and the trouble with Harry. Gene Lockhart, he was the judge. Henry X. Harper, he's also the father of June Lockhart, which remember ah. from Meet Me in St. Louis. This and guy. Lassie. Yeah. This guy was in Lost in Space. He was in His Girl Friday, Carousel, Algiers, A Christmas Carol, Meet John Doe, and The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, to name a few. This mm. guy was also just cashing them checks. Prolific. Natalie Wood as Susan yes. Walker. She was eight yeah. years old when she made this. This is eight-year-old Natalie Wood. Nerd alert. Natalie Wood had three Oscar nominations by the time she was 25 years old. What yeah. have you done with your life? Not a lot. She was one of the very rare actors to be a child star and then a young adult star and then also a middle-aged star until her life was probably allegedly tragically cut short by By one R.J. Wagner. Allegedly. Allegedly. Nobody sue us. Allegedly, but I mean... Seems Come on. I mean, she Come was on. she was terrified of water, so so sad. She would get, she was trying to get into a dinghy. Okay. So they say Christopher Walken knows the truth allegedly. Allegedly Porter Hall as Granville Sawyer, he was in The Thin Man, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, His Girl Friday. Sullivan's Travels, Double Indemnity. We have Teresa Harris, who is uncredited as Cleo. Why was she uncredited? She was an actress and a singer. And she was the, uh, the maid for the walkers. She was the help. Yes. And when I was reading about her, because I... I like, I want to know and stuff. I was like, wow, she played maids to Ginger Rogers, Betty Davis, Myrna Lloyd, Thelma Todd, Kay Farn, Far- right. well, I can't read my handwriting, Barbara Stanwyck. She was a blues singer. She would often wow. play blues singers, waitresses, tribal women, sex workers, or hat check girls. Her movies were Thunder- Thunderbolt, Morocco, Jezebel, and Here Comes Mr. Jordan. And, I, and then I was reading this quote from her, um, and I kept thinking, why do I know, why does all of this sound super familiar? And it was because we did it when we did Jezebel. We did Jezebel, But yeah. it's such a great quote that, excuse me while I read it again. Please do. She said, quote, I never had the chance to rise above the role of maid in Hollywood movies. My color was against me any way you looked at it. The fact that I was not 
quote, hot, stamped me either as uppity or regulated me to the internal eternal role of stooge or servant. My ambition is to be an actress. Hollywood had no parts for me. And this isn't her looking back at her life and saying this. She said this in 1937. Wow. Yeah. So she she was just like, I just want to be an actress. But this is all that I'm allowed to do. Right. Um, William Far, William <gasps> Williams, um, Frowley. 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 He was Charlie Holleran, but we all know him as Fred Mertz from Fred Mertz. I, I love, love Lucy, Lucy, and she loves me. He was also in My Three Sons. His movies: The Lemon Drop Kid, The Babe Ruth Story, and Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, to name a few. This guy has a ton mm-hmm. of stuff. I know. I was so excited to see him. And then uh, Philip Tong as Julian Shellhammer. He was in Witness for the Prosecution and Hans Christian Andersen. He did look familiar, and we did Witness for the Prosecution. Yeah. So there are the particulars. Well done. Well done. Well, I watched the black and white version. I did, too. It was colorized in, I'll tell you later, um, but um, black and white was lovely. Okay, so. I have have a little nerd alert that I didn't write down, but I just heard. So we watched this, rented it from Apple's iTunes. Yes. It is when the uh, studios come up, usually I kind of have pay attention, but I paid attention to this because it was 20th Century Fox and I did Rest in Peace as it came on because... 20th Century Fox was bought by Apple. And my friend told me that if you go on to Apple Plus to watch, Disney Plus to watch it, that it doesn't say 20th Century Fox anymore. It Disney slapped their logo right on it. Oh, my God. Which, I understand that they bought it. I wouldn't have a problem if it was Disney and then it went into, like, right. 20th Century Fox and stuff. Because I think that it's important to see those old... Like, you know, RK, we still see, like, the RKO stuff. Right. Like, RKO we're seeing the old anymore. movies. We should see the studio at the time. Yeah. Like you it's can fine. Put, it... put yours and then the, uh, the original. Exactly. So. See why I never took you to Disney World? <laughs> no, I understand. You're... You didn't miss out on nothing, girl. Yeah. There is a gentleman walking the streets of New York City. Oh, nerd alert. Not, sorry, another nerd alert. Please do. When he, you know, when he's walking. So that's a good example of what a steady cam is not. That was not shot on a steady cam. Because you could see, even though they were trying to keep it smooth, you could still see the bounce, especially if you look at the sides. But evidently it was slow enough that it didn't give me vertigo. Yes. I mean, it, it, it was done very well, but it's just compare right. that to when you say, oh, a steady cam and right. how smooth that is. Yes. <clears throat> well done. Well, um, he walks by displays in New York City. It, and and uh, a moment. Um, we have been in New York City for Christmas the last couple, I mean, Christmases just before Christmas and I don't feel like the the window displays are what they used to be at all like oh. didn't it used to be every single window had a, an amazing display 
I don't, well, I don't remember. I never went to New York City in those times. I didn't either, but I assumed that every window was like, oh my God. And, you know, we would go, you know, streets at a time before our Uber driver got an accident and we had to get out and run away from our Uber driver. And, um, you know, like Macy's had cute stuff, but not every, okay, I'm sorry, that was an editorial comment. Anyway, he sees a display artist creating a scene in a uh, an accessory store, and he stops to tell him he's doing the reindeer in the wrong order. Yeah, and this guy is standing, uh, I put this down as my one of my reheatables, for the insult, apparently the insulation in 1947 was <laughs> off the chain because this guy cannot hear a word this man is saying through the glass. And I, again, I've been to New York City. I've been to other cities. I know how cities are and noise and stuff. And I'm like, really, buddy? That you can't, it's entirely soundproof. Yeah, not wow, exactly. Or was he just ignoring him? Maybe, but he was. It see, I could, I could see that as being like stereotypical New Yorker of like, what? I can't hear you. But once it kind of goes on again, I feel like the the real New Yorker would just be like, crap. Fine, let me get this over with. What? Okay, yeah, I know. Move it. Thanks, buddy. Okay, well, um, he sees a placard for the Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is supposed to happen today, the day that the movie starts. So the movie starts Thanksgiving. There is a woman in charge, aforementioned Maureen O'Sullivan, Mrs. Walker. Really rocking the shoulder pad look. It was big. Huge shoulder pads. Yes, which makes you look so much smaller after them. I know, because I used to rock the the 90s shoulder pads. Ma used to rock shoulder pads so hard that in all of her polo shirts, she sewed in Velcro and then had shoulder pads that she would Velcro into her polos. It was pretty ingenious. It was ingenious. I didn't actually use Velcro. I put them in my bra straps. No, because there were some shirts that had There were some that I did Velcro. Exactly. Okay, well, more about me later. Well, Chris (laughs) Kringle is in the crowd. And then he sees the Santa float. It hasn't gone out yet. And he sees Santa drinking. So it must be the Santa from Beacon... Hill Mall when you were <laughs> a mighty youngin. Oh my God, he was the bad Santa of our time. Cause I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, that's Santa. Santa is that a drunk dude was man so drunk. Oh my God, in the Santa suit. So um, our gentleman Chris Kringle reprimands him in no uncertain terms, and. Chris Kringle says, I refuse to have you malign me. So he goes looking for who's in charge, as aforementioned Mrs. Walker. <laughs> Which I do love. Like, who is in charge here? Like, try that at this Thanksgiving parade. <laughs> who is in charge here? 
And he says, your Santa is intoxicated. So she goes, no, we can't have this. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Hey, dude, you want to be Santa on the float? That'd be so cool. And so she fires the, the drunk one, which makes him get more drunk, I'm sure. Because well, the children yeah, mustn't but, be but disappointed. But she did take away his alcohol. He did. She did take away his alcohol and had it in her own pocket. Well, we find out the parade is the best ever. Nerd alert. This was real filming from the real 1946 Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's how it, look how quaint it was. Where are all the generators and the police and security? Oh, well, well, Mrs. Walker goes home. She doesn't even finish the parade. She, evidently, she was in charge of it. It's all running Can now. Can you she's... imagine? <laughs> You're running the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Yeah, I would, too. I would be like, I'm, I am so done with this. I am exhausted. Oh, my gosh. I'm going home. I can't even. So she walks in her door and she starts calling for her daughter, Susan. Well, the person of color, Cleo, Cleo, who is fixing the turkey because it is Thanksgiving Day, says, oh, yeah, um, the gentleman across the windows from us, um, he's become friends with Susan. And so I let her go over there to watch the parade from his window. Now, Ma, she could see... Let's not sell Cleo short here now because we are going to get into this. But Cleo, when she's like, yeah, she's right there. I made sure she says I made sure that I could see her. So while she's in the kitchen, she has a line of sight to um, Susan and what's his name? Frank. Only if the swinging door to the kitchen is open. She's stuck in the kitchen, trussing that bird. Trussing, oh, I thought trussing. that she had like a line of sight, so she was keeping her eye on her, and she was just Only like, "Only when that door is open." Oh, I read I'm that not, wrong. Hey, I'm not mad at Cleo because you know it's not her job to raise the kid. Okay, but true. Okay, so um, she's watching it from the neighbor's apartment. Um, and he's ta- so then we cut to him talking to Susan. Oh, Susan is a realist. She does not deal in she doesn't do fairy tales. She doesn't do make believe. There's no imagination. Everything is straight down the line because well, we'll get into it later. That's, and she's going to go places. <laughs> and and he is Mr. Gailey. What was his first name? Oh, I have it. It I didn't get it right. Fred. Yeah, I had Craig, which was not his name. I said Frank just a minute ago. Okay, so um, so he's going. Well, don't your didn't your mom and dad ever tell you fairy tales? And she goes, I never met my father. And he went like, Oh, really? Mm. And licked his lips. Yeah, and and his his eye teeth. Grew a little longer, and he salivated a little bit. Okay, well, evidently, he took her to the zoo yesterday. Just him. 
Okay, mother hasn't ever met this dude, and he's taken the daughter to the zoo. More on that later, and it's a negative reheatable. It, that this that part of the film does. Uh, Susan just being left alone with strange men has not aged well. Exactly. Well, actually, at this point, we do find out he goes. I learned be kind to the child to get close to the mother. Uh, yeah, exactly what predators stranger do. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. So no Santa, no fairy tales, no fantasy. Uh, Mom comes in and tells him, you know, I want you to respect uh, my point of view here. This is my kid that I have never let met. I'm letting you take out to the zoo and all of this, but I need you to respect that I do not want you filling her head with fantasies. So when you are sexually molesting her, she oh doesn't even get God. to go to an imaginary world. She has to that. She has to stay in reality. Oh my gosh, that's so that's, problematic. But I mean, seriously. Okay, so Susan and uh, Mr. Gailey have worked out a thing where Susan is inviting him for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, at first, it's you know Susan asks, and Gailey's playing it cool, but then. Um, Susan breaks down and says, did I ask all right? And did then, I do that okay? And then you're like, oh my gosh, so many red flags so early in this film. Yeah. Okay, well, back to the parade. Everybody is crazy about the new Santa. And he's going to be not only the Santa for the parade, he's going to be the new Santa at Macy's. Now, I happen to know a Santa who works at Macy's now. You know a bona fide Santa. I do. And there's, there's not just one helper who helps Santa at Macy's. There are several. Because the days that we go to Macy's, my Santa is never on duty. Unless he sees us coming... And he goes back and goes, see, I'm not here at this. I'm not, I'm not here. here today. Not here today. Maybe. It could be. But I have to tell you, where this Santa sat and where Santa Jay sits now, wow. They have totally upgraded. Well, I should say so. This is 1947. But when the, when the kids were coming up the escalator, those were the same escalators. Those were the, you know. They, after yeah, you they get, still like, have them. It gets really, like, cool, but also kind of scary. Yeah, the, they're wooden. I think after the, I think starting at the sixth floor and Santa's on the seventh floor, they are the wooden, really narrow escalators. They have not been redone at Herald Square. So cool. It's It's very cool. And then you're kind of like, wow. These wooden escalators are still running. They really just don't make things like they used to. Like they used to. <laughs> well, our Kris Kringle has his own costume. And everybody's going, whoa, that is so much nicer than the ones our Santas wear. Now, Kris Kringle must have um, left his costumes for the new Santas. Because Santa Jay's costume looks pretty, pretty good. Well, he probably left the the uh, blueprint. That's not blueprints. What is it when they design patterns? Yeah, the patterns and the materials to be used. Mm -hmm. I believe there's real fur involved, Peter. 
or real faux fur. Yeah, it's it's expensive faux fur. Yeah. Okay, or folks folks fur, as somebody on Bravo on on Project Runway was saying last week. Well, at this point, Santa meets a young custodian who, what's his name? I think he's Alfred. Alfred. A lovely young man who I have a question mark POC. I believe he might have been Hispanic. If we can put him down, I thought he might have been Italian or Jewish. Huh? Interesting take. Well, <laughs> yeah, but the, I don't see why that would. I mean, yeah, it doesn't preclude you from exactly. being a, a helper for Santa. That's no. what I'm saying. Right? No, and, and hey, some some good beard growing in the community. So he, um, Alfred, wants some tips on how to be a good Santa because he goes to a. Um, like the boys and girls club or something right and and he puts on a a really bad suit but he is the santa for the girls and boys clubs that you know the kids who don't have a lot yeah the kids that don't get taken to macy's exactly exactly or gimbals well um, at this point, the, one of the managers comes in and gives Chris Kringle a list of toys to push because they bought too many of them. And so when a kid doesn't know what they want, say, hey, why don't you buy this thing we have way too many of because it's a really shitty toy. And so there's a reason why you don't want it. And and Chris Kringle's going, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to push toys that kids don't want on them. I can find out what, what they want. He he is fighting commercialism to make a buck. So Chris Kringle makes friends with Alfred, the young custodian, who we find out is only 17. I like him a lot. I wrote Santa's throne is much different now. I mean, there's carved wood and there are reindeer. I mean, it's unbelievable. And we have um, um, Santa is on his throne, coming up the wooden escalators are all the kids and their mothers. And Santa is telling this little kid, yeah, I can get you that fire engine that shoots water. And and the mother's going, no, you can't. Nobody has it. No stores have it. No. Well, she's Don't not tell. saying that but like to the kid, but she's silently going, no, 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 I think she went up to him and said he's going to ask for a fire engine, tell him that you know, to pick something else because you're sold out of it. And then she exactly. puts him on the lap. And so then when Santa, when Chris Kringle's like, all right, I think, I think that we can uh, handle that. The mom was like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? I felt like that was a young, what was the, what was the woman from Rosemary's baby? The old lady. Oh, I don't think so. no, because she Ruth Gordon. Yeah, she seemed like a Ruth Gordon. Well, go on with your setting of the table. Okay, I will. And so, um, well, he goes. Oh no, this store doesn't have it. But if you go down a couple blocks on the right, there's a store. It has it. You can get it there. 
So she goes to the store manager going, I never heard of this. I, I don't shop at Macy's because, you know, truth be told, it's too expensive. But this Santa Claus told me where to get this toy my kid wants. Hey, I'm going to start shopping at Macy's because this is true customer service. Way to go. I, I am going to do that. Um, and then he tells another mother whose kid wants skates, listen. She, you know, she's really young, so she needs a lot of ankle support. So we have skates, but go to Gimbel's, who was a real rival of Macy's at the time, because they have these skates that are way better for ankle support. Well, she goes to the manager and she goes, I never heard the like, but this Santa is telling me where to get the best product for my child. I will continue to shop at Macy's. So although it sounds like he's undermining Macy's, people are going, but now I'm going to trust Macy's because they're telling me the truth. So this is great publicity. Okay. So it's uh, that, that's Thelma Ritter. Oh, okay. So it wasn't Ruth Gordon. Mm-hmm. She had a true Ruth Gordon vibe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then we go to the, um, manager's office and there are like six more women who want to tell him, Hey, we really appreciate this. I mean, they appreciate it so much that they're going to go tell the manager. They're not just going to leave and go, well, that was cool. They're going to take time and go tell the manager. Those of us who shop now, we know that's, that's a commitment. Well, we go back um, and we see that Mr. Gailey and Susie are waiting in line to see Santa. And I'm just like, again with the unsupervised visitation? Yeah. And um, Susie doesn't believe in Santa and she does a great side eye. Every time Santa talks to her, she's like, yeah, right, dude. You know what? Natalie Wood in this, you see her as an eight-year-old, and I'm like, yeah, this kid's got it. She's fantastic. Yeah, she was amazing. She's just really she, good. She was. Um, and she says to him, well, you know, I don't believe in Santa, but you're the best-looking one I've seen. And he goes, that's because I'm really Santa. And she goes, yeah, I like the beard because you don't have the things going over your ears. He goes, pull on it. It's a real beard. It was a real it was, it was his, really his beard. beard. It's a great beard. Mrs. Walker comes up and is none too happy. And she takes Susie away. <laughs> Susie, and, what did I tell you about being with strange single men? And she tell, she yells at Mr. Gailey, who do you think you are? Um, and, uh, um, you know, I don't want her to believe that Prince Charming is coming. I want her to know the truth. No Prince Charming is coming to save her. She's got to make her way in the world. Okay. Oh, you know what? Mental, put that on the uh, best reheatable list. I didn't yeah. put it. For real. Um, and, oh, you don't believe. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I missed my place. So I expect you to respect my wishes. Well, at this point, Susie has gone, in, uh, you know, backstage and she sees this little girl come sit on Santa's lap. And the mother goes, we've just adopted her from Holland. She doesn't speak English, so she doesn't think you'll understand. He starts speaking Dutch to her. 
Did you understand what they said? I didn't understand everything, but I got the gist. I got the gist just from context clues. Right. But oh. I then read what they said that it was translated. Right. And she said, I don't need anything for Christmas. I got the best gift. I got a new family. <laughs> She's a Dutch refugee. She's a refugee. Yeah. yeah. She made it through the war, unlike Anne Frank. Okay. But she um, was also a Dutch refugee like Audrey Hepburn. Ah. Ah, Audrey. So, um, they sing a song in Dutch about Sinterklaas. Well, um, Mrs. Walker asks Santa to come meet with her. And she um, says, I would like you to tell my daughter, Susie, that you're not really Santa Claus. I really want to clear up this misconception because she's believing you and we don't do fantasy. Um, um, and so he says, but I, I really am Santa Claus. So she asks the, her secretary to get his employment card. So his employment card comes and his real name is Chris Kringle. And his date of birth is as old as my tongue, a little younger than my teeth. You know, because when you're born, you don't have teeth. And his place of birth was the North Pole. And his next of kin are the reindeer. He lists all the reindeer. So there's no Mrs. Claus. No. So she starts treating him the way... uh, um, novices treat people who are special uh, and they just realize oh my god I got a, I got a live one here and um, she says she's going to have to fire him because you know he's deluded he thinks deluded deluded Delusion? not diluted but deluded del- deluded <laughs> deluded? Yeah. deluded thinking that he really is Santa Claus At this point, somebody comes in and says, Mr. Macy wants to see you immediately. So she goes, okay, Chris Kringle, stay here a minute. I got to go see Mr. Macy. Well, there's a new policy and the ad department is all in his office. And because there's been such a tremendous response to um, Macy's now being such a helpful store, everybody's getting Christmas bonuses, uh, ad department work up an ad campaign to show, yeah, we are now the helpful store. We will send our customers to Gimbal's if they have a if they have a product we don't have. Yeah, they they went all in on that because I was like, oh man, that's not gonna go over well. And that's what I thought too. They're, no, they they got that 1947 Twitter thing of everybody was loving them then, saying like, oh my gosh, they're putting our happiness and well being above. Uh, money and stuff. It's basically when you watch these advertisements now, that's what everybody is pushing, how much they are on your side. And yeah. they want you to, you use their product, it's going to make you fulfilled and a better person and stuff. And you're just like, Which is all bullshit. Wow. So then Mr. Macy is all in on this. He's he like, you know what? This is, this is what we are going to do. We are going to be super helpful. Well, she's worried because she believes that Santa is, is you know, like, not all there. A little yeah, insane. Like, oh, my gosh. We, 
everything is hinging on this crazy person and he's probably going to snap and it's not going to end well. That's he can what, go off at any moment. Yes, like we don't know who we're dealing with. Completely, um, I think, justifiable in this. She yeah. is not raised to the position where this is the woman who is running the head of the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Yeah. She knows a thing or two about running she, shit. And she knows about being deluded herself. Because her Prince Charming, she had to Now, I've got a question. Force. Now, did they say that she got divorced? Because, Never. Okay, so here's my thing. Because when Go I... For I'm watching it. It's 1947. I think to myself, is this movie actually set in 1947? I believe it is. That means that the war has been over for two years. So pretty much, I'm just going to like say blanket statement. Every like man that we're seeing might have probably served in the war. Correct. So her husband, I'm guessing most definitely the father of Susan was in the war. Very possibly could have been killed in the so war. So I just kind of assumed that the guy got killed. I kept waiting for that shoe to drop about how daddy died in, you know, the Battle of the Bulge. Well, I have more about that in Tasty Nuggets. Mm. Okay, well, they decide they're going to have Mr. Sawyer, their store psychologist, talk to him. A store psychologist. Is it yeah. like what? Is it would it just be HR? Like like on billions, what's her name? The Oh the yeah. Resident person. Yeah, but they didn't have one back in the day for every store. Well, maybe Macy's did. And so she uh, I think Mr. Sawyer is talking no, not yet. Okay. But uh, Chris Kringle says he's been getting more and more worried about the Christmas frame of mind. And he tells Mrs. Walker, if I can win you over, there's still hope. Well, he has a mental exam first thing in the morning. He lives at Brooks Memorial Home for the Aged in Great Neck, New York. So he goes into his exam with Mr. Sawyer, aforesaid uh, I wrote psychologist. There is, um, there's talk that at first he was called a psychiatrist and then he was called a psychologist. Well, a psychiatrist goes to medical school and I believe, I, I could be wrong here, but I thought that a psychiatrist goes to medical school and can write prescriptions where a psychologist doesn't go to medical school. Right, because that comes up later. So it's important that he is just a psych, not just, but his profession is a psychologist. Um, so he cannot give a diagnosis is my understanding. Oh, I don't know. I don't okay. know. Okay. So he goes in and he's done this exam many times before. And so he knows exactly what to do. And um, as he's doing that, she had called his home, Brooks Memorial, and asked for Dr. Pearson from that home to come. And um, so the person who did the exam, Dr. Sawyer, says he should be dismissed immediately. Um, 
And she goes, did he, did he fail the test? And he goes, no, he answered everything correctly, but he kept changing topics. And so I believe he's living with delusions and he does need to be institutionalized. But Dr. Pearson from where he lives goes, no, he, he believes he's Santa Claus. He's not hurting anyone. He is not violent. He does not need to be institutionalized. But I suggest that instead of having to take transport to public transportation from the city out to Great Neck every day, you find someone who works at the store who can house him in their house for the duration of the Christmas period. So he kind of has a mentor to come and go from work with. So somebody to take custody of him. Mm -hmm. So the manager is like, okay, we have an extra room. Our kids, you know, are college age. They've moved out. But it's going to be a hard sell with my (laughs) wife. Now, um, all I have to do is uh, every night when I go home, my wife and I have martinis. So I will just double her martini allotment and then talk to her, and then she'll be fine with Kris Kringle living with us for the duration of the Christmas season. Mm, He's going to get his wife drunk. More on that. Well, um, actually what happens is Mr. Daly, how did we decide that? Fred Gailey. Gailey, which is, hello. Um, How did we decide that? Chris was going to live with Mr. Gailey. Because Chris Kringle was very... So another scene where Susan is left unaccompanied with an older man. Susan's left with Chris Kringle. They're getting along famously. Chris Kringle is teaching her how to use her imagination. Because she got... Uh, um, Su- not Susan, the mo- Doris... Maureen O'Hara invited Chris Kringle to have dinner with them. Yes. Gailey was over there helping. Chris Kringle was with Susan, teaching her imagination, how to use her imagination. Gailey oversees that. And then here's the, I think then Doris tells Gailey about the situation. And Gailey's like, oh, man. Because, again, he's trying to get with Doris. So he says, well, I have a big place, you know, I'm an attorney and everything. And so you can trust me. Yeah, you could trust me. I got, he said I have twin beds. Yes. He doesn't even have a separate, <laughs> have a separate room, room but he's Santa got plenty Claus. of room. He's like, I would be, I would, let me, he stays with me. Then he can go to work in the morning with you. And then he gets to also see Susan. Look how much Susan loves having him around and stuff. Yeah, out. So they go to Chris Kringle and say, hey, would you like to move in with me next door? Like, it's not much, but it's just a twin bed and stuff. Guys, guys being guys. Guys being guys in twin beds. And so he was like, I love it. Nothing gaily going on here. (laughs) Ma. Okay, well, Santa put Susie to bed. I wrote chewing gum before bed. 
Oh, that was her thing. I felt like that was that was her like she smuggled it that her mom didn't know about it. It might have been her one thing that she could do because I don't think mom would approve. No. Well, she says, you know, I don't really think you're Santa. Now, this is the one thing I want. I want a house. <laughs> I want a house with a backyard. And he's going, holy shit, Are girl. Are you a 40-year-old woman? What I is know. this? Like, I can, I can, I can make a fire engine dis- appear, but a, a house? A, a whole house? house? Wait, not only that, I need a tree in the backyard with a swing on it. Because I want a backyard, and so that's, if you can't make that happen for Christmas, I know you're not Santa Claus. Drop the mic. And that Santa Claus is like, do you realize that, like, your apartment, you are living in Manhattan on a, a street that the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade goes down? That I'm thinking that's pretty swanky, no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. okay, Pretty kid. good real estate here. Well, Santa goes to bed, Mr. Gailey goes to bed in their twin beds, and, and Mr. Gailey goes, hey, um, you take care of the little girl, and I'll take care of Mrs. Walker. No, I think that we are making Fred Gailey out to be very um, predatory, which... When you are just laying out what he does, it is very predatory. Mm-hmm. But when you're watching it, he... Again, he's a nice, good-looking guy, yeah. Ted Bundy. And so, Ted Bundy, obviously, Ted Bundy, everything, everything is fine. Yeah, everything's on the up and up. It's it's how you can watch these. It's what we do on Gone with the Bushes. There's two ways of watching this. You can just watch the movie the way that like it's intended, where it's all with the rose colored glasses board of, and good yeah, exactly exactly like how you you know gone with gone with the wind you can watch it one way or you can watch it another way with our 2019 almost 2020 glasses yeah. on and ouch problematic yeah but all that said i did enjoy this movie so i did enjoy it. it's you know, just because it's 2019 and people are like pointing all these things out, it doesn't mean that you have to not enjoy some things. Oh no, as much. you can still enjoy it. Just know, people, we oh. can hold two things in our heads at once. <coughs> yeah, both things I'm, can be true. I'm not going to let my daughter go off with a stranger, but I can enjoy this movie. Oh, s- excuse me. <clears throat> I'm not going to let my daughter go off with a stranger. How do you remember these things? How only does be- this pop in your only head? Only because I, I found out about it relatively recently that your daughter was left in a foreign country with a stranger well, it, when she was a baby. It wasn't Teddy Bundy. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't a, a gorgeous little young... It, it was a gorgeous little young girl who was keeping you in our purchased room she didn't take you to her her apartment how do we even maybe she was um what do they call it like trafficked maybe she was trafficked she was a traffic victim anyway she was a a, a sex slave on 34th street (laughs) 
Both things can be true. It doesn't. It's, it's true. <laughs> you can look at that experience one way, or you can look at it as the magic of Switzerland the other way. Yeah, you can. <laughs> or you can look at it as your parents had way too much champagne and should not have been responsible for a young child at that time. <laughs> okay, luckily there were no psychologists around to take you away from us. Okay, you did meet Chick Corea, and you did meet David Sanborn. Awesome. Remember. <laughs> okay. You were not molested. <laughs> well, at this point, something That I can happened. remember. That's not... I only laugh because of this context. <laughs> I mean, I was like... Yeah. I'm fine. Um, that's why we need a sponsor for Gone with the Bushes to pay for Erin's therapy she's going to need. Okay, at this point, uh, uh, a scene between Chris Kringle and Natalie Wood happens. And I wrote, that's why I don't chew gum. Oh, because she pops the gum. He asks for a piece. He pop it's You don't, because you don't want it to get stuck in your beard. Yeah, my whiskers. <laughs> Although, if it would pluck out my whiskers, that'd be great, and I'd be fine with I it. I think maybe you should, because then it gets stuck, and then you're like, oh, there, there's one. Got it. Where's the oh. other one? What's it stuck on? Nope, oh, there's the other one. Dan gum. Yeah, you're... We're, oh, yeah. You hated gum. It's because of my braces. Okay, moving on, because you are not going to psychoanalyze us right now, but if you can... Let us know. We need a cheap psychology. Okay. We're back to the custodian, Alfred, the 17-year-old kid. And he's talking to Chris Kringle. And he goes, yeah, once a week I meet with Dr. Sawyer. And he says, I have a guilt complex. And that's why I want to go and be play Santa to the kids at the Boys and Girls Club. Because I feel guilty about something. And the guilt I feel is because... I hate my father. Chris Kringle is livid. Who is this fool who is psychoanalyzing this person? And he is not professionally proficient to do that. He is not qualified. Thank you. Well, Chris Kringle is pissed. Because Alfred is a lovely boy who just wants to give back a little bit, even though he doesn't have a lot to give. And, but he is a lovely young man who goes, I want to help these kids who have a little less than I have. And meanwhile, the psychologist is doing what we're doing. Like, why you want to be around all those kids? What's up with that? Do not say I'm like <laughs> Dr. Sawyer. Do not. I'm just saying we've we've given this Fred Gailey all this grief <laughs> for, oh. for for an hour. We've just been ragging on this guy for being for trying to get with Maureen O'Hara, who you started this podcast out by just gushing over. So uh, it you know I hate it when she's right. Damn, you know. I'm not when trying to be just, right. I don't know what's right. I'm just saying, just, just, just trying to be fair. a little conversation with your daughter, and then it all comes back at you. Well, Chris Kringle goes to Dr. Sawyer, 
and yells at him and says, you are not even a psychologist. A psychiatrist? I wrote psychologist. Oh. There is, there is, you know, in the, in the trivia universe, there is a conflict of is it a psychologist, psychiatrist, oh, no matter. All back and he's, forth. I think he's just human resources. He's not even. Oh, okay. You you cannot diagnose this this young man. This is a lovely young man, and there's only one way to stop you. You are egotistical. You are maniacal. You are Donald Trumpish, and the only thing I can do is hit you on the forehead with my cane. Which isn't very Chris Kringle. It wasn't a good thing. Because you're, you're, everybody, you're, you're going, don't do it. Uh, yes, he deserves it, but don't. Oh, he did it. He says, you stop telling him this stuff or I'm going to go to Mr. Macy and tell him exactly what you're doing. Um. Well, so this egotistical, maniacal, Donald Trumpish dude says, uh, tells uh, Mrs. Walker, the moment I mentioned Santa Claus, he became violent. He doesn't say anything about what led up to this. Yeah, he doesn't mention Alfred or anything. No. Um, and so they go, well, we're going to give him another test. We're going to give him another test. And... Um, if he passes that, he can stay on because Mr. Macy wants him to stay on no matter what. Everybody wants him to stay on except for the guy that got assaulted. Right. So under false pretenses, they take him to Bellevue to be evaluated. Yeah, they say that Doris arranged for him to have a photo shoot with the mayor and that the car's waiting and he gets in the car and they're like taking the Bellevue and he's like, what? So. Well, Mr. Gailey is going to be his attorney. He gets a call from Bellevue. And he goes there to represent Chris Kringle. And, and the people there go, yeah, he's going to be with us a few days. We well, recommend. No, he doesn't go there to represent them. He goes there because they called him because he's the roommate. And he goes down and he's like, all right, well, I'm here to take him back. They don't know that he's a lawyer or anything. And they're like, nah, man, he's going to be here a while. Yeah. We recommend commitment and for so a while. And so then he goes to to visit Chris Kringle. And Chris Kringle's like, he, you know, he's pretty down in the dumps because he thinks that Doris sent him down the river. Like, right. totally ran him down with a bus. Right. right. And. Baboon. Yeah. And put Gail it in reverse. Yeah, Gailey says no. She didn't know about all of this. That they lied to you. And he says, "Well, why isn't she here then?" And Gailey says, "Because she she feels that um, well, she feels guilty and bad about it, and that it would cause you more pain and stuff." But you know, I'm here, so you know. But it, it comes out that Chris Kringle deliberately failed the test. Because he's just depressed. He just can't even anymore. Nobody, nobody, nobody believes in him. So he's so just depressed. He's, he's just he sad. deliberately failed the test. It's been an hour, oh. and we're done. Boom! What? And so Ouch. we set it up. It's what's his face does happen to be a very good attorney in Manhattan. 
He does indeed. Dun, dun, dun. 34 minutes left that you need to, and you do need to watch this movie. And you know what? Watch it in black and white. I gotta say, because I saw the, the remake that was in the 90s. So I was not too keen to watch this. Based off of I, I could tell you were not excited I was about not excited. Yeah. But Donna's wanted me to change it to Bad Santa at the last moment. But I stuck with my guts. And I'm glad you did because this movie it moves at a very brisk pace. Very yes. there's a lot you're all of a sudden it's just going, going, going. It's very breezy and it's a very straightforward and to the point about what it is whereas the other movie i felt was forever and it got all lofty into like religious themes and stuff oh really and this is basically this guy says that he's santa claus we need to get him out and there we go and it's hard because he purposely failed the test so how do we get him out of bellevue when he says to everybody i am the real Santa Claus mm-hmm. and and all adults say there is no such thing. So how do you represent him? That's got well, you'll have to watch the last 34 minutes to see. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to know, you should probably stop right now because I'm probably going to end up spoiling something. Yeah. So if you're going to watch it, just stop. If and, you don't and, remember and what happened, come back. All if right. You've, if you've seen it before and you know, go ahead and listen uh, but you can come back to us otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. POC count. I had two because I am counting Alfred. Oh, I then I had three because we had Cleo. You can count Alfred. And then we had the guy in the post office. There's a guy when the when the san, when the letter comes in. He's in the background oh, working in the really? post office. See, I missed it. Yeah, I was like, that's why it takes two there people. There we go. There's a guy. Okay, we've done some nerd alerts. Do you have more? Oh, I got a lot of nerd alerts. Okay. Okay. Roland Hussey Macy, R.H. Macy, in the movie. He actually okay. died. He died in 1877. His family sold the ownership of Macy's in 1895. In the book. Real justice. That's real spelled R-E-E-L. Oh, as in a movie real. Mm-hmm. They said that the judge could have dismissed the case after the prosecutor rested. Because they ask him, are you Santa Claus? And he's like, yes, I am. Because they have to prove that, well, I'll, he's I'll get to Santa it. He's not Santa Claus. So he's like, yes, I'm Santa Claus. And then the prosecutor's like, we rest. But he didn't, the prosecution didn't prove that Kris Kringle was dangerous. Right. And and his mental state at that point was irrelevant. So when the prosecution rested, the judge could have just said, you didn't prove that he was a menace to society. So this case is dismissed. However, though. Uh Uh-oh. This, so in the book, that's what they said. But. The high standard for involuntary commitment was not instituted until 1975 Supreme <gasps> Court O'Connor mm. versus Donaldson. Oh my God! So I think that maybe at the at the time 
the prosecution could have just rested and it would be okay. Wow. And then it wasn't until 1975 where it's like, nah, man, you're going to have to do a little bit better than that if you want to involuntarily commit someone. Wow. We need a little bit more evidence just that he says he's Santa Claus. Okay, so when they're doing the, this was hilarious, to see whether or not he's crazy, they say, they ask him who the sixth vice president of the United States is. Yeah, we'd all be committed. Uh, yeah, this, well, but this was 1947, so there was way less for him to keep track of, you know. Still. And also, you know, public schools and whatnot were really good. No, nothing against Wait, teachers whoa, or anything. Ouch. But I'm, were. W-E-R-E, were. My, it's, I don't know if it's just like, oh, because you live in Fairfax County and stuff, but out here and stuff, it's becoming the haves versus the have-nots. Yeah, it is. It's getting real British, where I was talking to a friend of mine in the Valley, and he's like, there are no schools that are rated well, and (sighs) it's basically if everybody's in, like, a charter school or a private school, and those kids that aren't, that's the public school. Whereas... When oh, I was a that kid, hurts my heart. yeah, but that's it's what's reality. happening. That's reality. It's a class system. And depending on where you live, hopefully, you know, what's good. Not all places are Fairfax County. What can I say? So getting to that, he said that the sixth vice president of the United States was Donald D. Tompkins. Is that wrong? Yes. Because <gasps> the vice, the John Quincy, because he's like, who is John Quincy Adams vice president? John Quincy Adams vice president is John C. Calhoun. The vice. He was the fourth president, right? John Quincy? No, John Quincy is the sixth president. Eee. John Daniel D. Tompkins was the vice president for James Monroe. Tompkins was the sixth vice president. And John Quincy Adams was the sixth president. That's where the mistake occurred. Because James Madison had two different vice presidents. Oh. So you can't. Much like uh, Trump probably will. Yeah, so you can't say, oh, the sixth vice president was with the sixth president. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But see, the person doing the questioning didn't know that either. No, that it was a script mistake. Yes. And nobody everybody was like, "Oh, that he's the Who cares?" Yeah. Everybody was who cares. <laughs> Basically. They didn't know that there would be such a thing as the internet in 1947. <laughs> no, Al Gore hadn't hadn't invented it yet. Um Oh, at the also when the prosecution is giving its closing statement, our fr- our dude uh Fred Gailey he saunters in because he was talking with the post office. No judge, according to the internet, no judge would ever allow the closing arguments to be given when the opposing counsel isn't present. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It was 
this was filmed during a particularly frigid New York winter. Yes, it was evidently freezing. And the cameras would routinely freeze. And there was this woman, Vaughn Mele. Mm-hmm. She let the crew, she lived across the street, and she would let the crew come in and be warm and stuff. And Maureen O'Hara, at once the movie wrapped, she took um, this Vaughn woman and her husband to the famous 21 club for dinner as a thank you. And the lady was so excited, all she could order was milk. Milk. (laughs) Now, this is my question. Is is 34th Street the same as Herald Square? Yeah. Macy's? It's at Macy's. So you look around Macy's Herald Square now, there aren't any residences around. It's all... Well, on street level, but I'm sure that when you look up, there's a whole bunch of, like, empty buildings from people who have bought them, like, oligarchs from various nations who have afforded these luxury uh, condos so, and are so vacant. So their name, their name wouldn't be... What was her name? Mele? Mele? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I, that was just an exaggeration, but... When we're just looking street level, no, but I, I'm pretty sure when you, you know, you adjust your eyes upward in New York that that's I know, all but I'll places. bet, I'll bet at the time there were some brownstones. Oh, probably. Yeah, but now, no, because next to that Macy's is the Herald Square Urban, Urban Outfitters, Outfitters, which is excellently managed. Best, no, the best display artist. Oh, the so the Soho Urban Outfitters is the best managed Urban Outfitters. Ah, yes. I'm sure that the Herald Square one is the second best managed one. Probably, but the best, best displayed decorated. Artist. Yeah. Oh, yes. wow, that mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. It's pretty freaking impressive. Because, I mean, you're across the street from Macy's, which is known for their displays. I mean, who, yeah, and who doesn't go to Macy's at Christmas time if you're in New York City? I mean. Come on. And then you go next door and you go, well, damn, this is a whole lot better looking than Macy's. If it were me, I would get so stressed that my insides would start popping out of my Stop it. <laughs> and you would need a robot to fix them. <laughs> that, just if it were me. Just us. <laughs> In 2004, Maureen... Well, I haven't really gotten into Maureen O'Hara yet. I, that's in my Tasty Nuggets. But her autobiography, released in 2004, was called Tis Herself. Tis? Yes. Herself. Which I loved. <laughs> And I'm like, I kind of want to read this. I got to put this on my list of beach books because we'll get into Is it. And herself. I have a feeling by the end of this podcast, I'm not the only one who's going to want to read Tis Herself. Yeah. Ooh, you know what? When we see a spike in this book, sale, <laughs> sale of this book, we will know that we are indeed influential. There'll be like three people bought it. Megan, uh, that was Wendy, us. and Donis. <laughs> and one random person in Arkansas. There Hello. you go. Because it's a flyover state and we represent. There, this was the second 20th Century Fox, rest in peace, 
uh, film to be shot in New York City. What was the first? It was like the house on something street. Oh, yeah. There was a house on something yeah. street. So those are my taste. Those are my nerd alerts. Nerd alerts. We haven't gotten to tasty nuggets. Now mm -hmm. we're to reheatables. Okay. Flip my paper over. And we have done a few. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, your child with a stranger. Yeah. Best way to get to a, a mother is through the child. But that kind of... I You're saying that's a bad reheatable. I'm just saying that's fact. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah, just use the kid. Yeah. Because how many, but everybody how does many stories it. have we heard, though, about the... The step parent who can't stand the kid. I I just think that's a good way to go about it. Oh uh, well, if they truly care about the kid. Now, if they're only using the kid, and then once they're there, then they start being ugly to the kid. That's a whole other situation. Right, but it is. It, it Fred Gailey's point. It is a pretty good plan, and especially because he's dealing with Doris. You, Doris is no very, nonsense. Very closed. You could yeah. call her an ice cube. How else is he going to defaw that? Okay. But Fred Daly, knowing that he's taking the daughter to see Santa when the mother does not want her to believe in Santa. Now, that's wrong. Uh, yeah, I guess it's wrong. Uh, yeah, because it's the mom and stuff. But that's, I mean... Okay, we're moving on. Chewing gum before bed and not brushing your teeth is not a good idea. No, that is not. The chewing gum at all, right, Donna's? Chewing gum at all, out. No, just get rid of it. Now, I have one that is on my in-between. Yes. Because it is... Um, I'm going to give my wife two martinis and then it turns into three martinis, which tasty nugget. If you count the toothpicks, it appeared to be nine, nine martinis. martinis. But that sounds to about me. right, though. If this woman every night has a martini, yeah, she's, she's de developed a tolerance. Yes. He needs to get her sloshed. Yes. So nine, I don't think even I have had nine in one setting. Ooh, but okay, wait a second time. though. Remember, but you're counting the toothpicks. Like you're not gonna tell me that on the fourth martini she wasn't like, I want some more olives. Yeah, yeah, double the olives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that was like a negative reheatable and a positive reheatable. Because why was it a I, negative I mean, reheatable? I, I do I, I, not martinis, but my gimlets. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like that's just a husband knowing his wife. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I don't really know what. Not, not saying, oh, you're you're uh, you shouldn't have another. Here, have another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Because I guarantee you that she has also manipulated him in some different way. Did Look you see the jewels on her? Yeah, so she had a big ass jewel around her neck. She had one. She had to use her other hand to lift her her hand with the big ass rock that was on it. So yeah, yeah it's okay. Come see, come saw. Okay, your negatives. Quid pro quo. My negatives. Um, there's 
like seriously there's going to be court on Christmas Eve? I know theoretically probably it's possible, but that anyone would agree to such things? True. That's usually, you know, on the 23rd, it's just like, all right, uh, we'll call it. And maybe it's honestly with courts, I believe it like we'll see everyone in the new year. But if you want to be like, oh, no, they were like strict. It's or the 23rd. We will readjourn on the 26th, you know? Yes. Like, I'm yes. like, really? All these people are in court on Christmas Eve? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. You know, Susan hanging out with all the, the men. Yeah. Uh, Chris Kringle's belt placement. Did you notice where his belt was? It just kept going higher and higher and higher. Pretty soon, it was like a nipple guard. Well, pretty much like your shorts when you were a exactly. I'm like, Which what belt me, is that keeping up? That made my tummy warm. Um, well, I already asked, like, where was Mrs. Claus? But I guess this Santa doesn't have a Mrs. Claus. Because no also, why is Claus. Santa Claus hanging out in New York City on Thanksgiving? This is about to be Santa Claus's busy season. Yeah, and he's. Just hanging out in New York City? Oh, don't no move on because I don't want to. You don't want to start thinking of these questions. I'm like, no, I don't like this. Because I I thought I kept waiting in the movie. I'm like, are they going to explain what he's doing in New York? Stop it! Move on. (laughs) He really was Santa Claus. Damn it! Because like I'm kind of. Did any did anybody ever ask Daryl and Daryl if Zanuck was like, well, why don't we just make it in May? Zanuck. If I was Zanuck, it would be like, people like to see movies in warm weather. And also, why would Santa Claus be in New York City in Thanksgiving? It's about to Zanuck be Zanuck doesn't busy care season. about Santa Claus. That's why he would have had the he would have had the distance to be able to ask these questions. You would think, but he didn't care. Move on. Okay. That was that was my impression of Vicky Gunderson from Real Housewives of Orange oh, County. I don't watch that dribble no it is dribble oh I, and then my my last one that i put on my bad list was supposed to be on my good list so i'm done we'll move it over okay my good list yes 47 they were worried about the commercialism of christmas i put that on my list as well and also okay so valentine davies who won who did the um the the story came up with the original idea he came up with the idea because he was in a store i don't even know if it was macy's it might have been looking for a christmas gift for his wife and he just was overblown with the commercialization this is prior to 1947 so can you even imagine it probably I mean, the Christmas stuff didn't start until after Thanksgiving back then. And then, not he, like as soon as Halloween is over. And then he, um, so then he wondered what Santa Claus would think of all this. Yeah. And so then I loved it because then if you're wondering what Santa Claus would think of all this, then you immediately go to, well, if Santa Claus was here, people would think that he was nuts. Just yes. the same kind of thing that I always think of, like, you know people who like they're like oh jesus and like jesus comes back i'm like i knew she was gonna go to jesus people is anybody gonna believe him if he (laughs) i mean somebody's like i am jesus like yeah 
We've been through this, Jim Jones. Yeah, yeah. I'm not drinking your Kool-Aid. We know how this ends. So I was like, mm-hmm. ah. But it's, it is much safer it's true. To, to go about it with a Kris Kringle. goal. I like the idea of the helpful store and the big book they made of, okay, we don't carry that product. Let's look up what store does carry that product. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yep. It's like how the the travel sites. Yeah. How you can go on there. Or it's Google, basically. The founders of Google just looked at this and like, ah, I see what they did there. But may I say that Google and then Amazon lied about a couple of products this year. Amazon, I'm very mad at you. Oh. Move on. Oh, and... Uh, there's no Prince Charming gonna come and save you. You gotta, you gotta make yourself ready to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. But um, I, at the same token, you also need to have imagination. Oh my God, yes! Because as you are being sexually molested, you need to be able to oh go to a place. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and my last reheatable is Natalie Wood was a freaking amazing. It's like, yeah, I believe it. That's how she became Natalie Wood. Oh my God, it's amazing. Her, um, her facial expressions. Oh, my MVP is coming up. There was Go just ahead. no, um, of that. None of that cutesy, like kid stuff mm-hmm. with her. It it all felt really real. Yeah, she was a matter of fact. She was an eight year old who had been brought up in a household of. There's no make believe. Well, she was brought up in a household of Russian immigrants. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. her real name's like Natasha. Yeah, because, yeah, it's it's a hard, uh, see, I always say a hard lot life, which is wrong. It's a hard knock life. Hard knock life, yeah. And, And it is, and you better be ready to take care of yourself. All right. My good reheatables, my first one was the... We already went 1947 insulation, those windows and the sound. Like, That's so funny. See, I didn't wow. even think of that. Wow. Just just a real wow. Because I grew up in a house that was probably born, uh, born built around that time. And those you were in that house in the winter. There was no insulation in that house. Yeah. I have layer upon layer because it's 60 degrees in Southern California right now and I'm freezing. Oh, boo-hoo. Everybody cry a tear. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's not, it's Southern California. That wasn't, that was the last thing that they thought of was insulation. So when I go to sleep at night, any I can hear everybody's conversation that, that they mm-hmm. have one in the parking lot. So just for this guy to be <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what did you say? I can't hear a word that you're saying. I was just like that. I'm calling bullshit on that. Seriously. Unless I don't understand. Like your glass is just bulletproof or something. I don't know. I, that was the first thing last night that leapt out at me. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and then like, yeah, the commercialization. Okay. Also, the post office yeah that's how that's how you prove things people don't be sleeping on the post office 
It is it is federal. You mess with mail, that's a federal offense. Yes, it is a federal offense. It's the post office and the IRS. You want to take people down, that's where you prove it. You want to prove your innocence, that's where you prove it. I'm really counting <laughs> I'm really counting on that internal revenue service with a certain somebody, but move on. I just love it. How how do we know he's Santa Claus? He's Santa Claus because the post office said so. That's right. So I'm like, damn. 21 bags of mail says, I am Santa Claus. Motherfucker. There you go. On Twitter, he gets the verified check mark. There you Post go. Post office said so. And my best reheatable is the scene with the Dutch refugee girl. Yeah, it was pretty where good. Where the mom's like, she does, she wanted to see you. But she only, she doesn't speak English. She only speaks Dutch because again, this is 1947. Her yeah. that that little girl's family has all been killed. Yeah, killed by probably by Germans. In German Nazis, damn Nazis. it. Nazis. Her family was killed by Nazis. Fucking Nazis. And she had to flee, and it was a, she fled from a war, and she's a little Dutch refugee. Somehow she made it. But she made it. And she was sitting on Santa's lap. And Santa was like, I'm glad that you're here. And Santa bust out the Dutch. He sure did. Not only did they sprecken, but they also then sang a song sang together. A song. And the translation is, she's like, I don't even want anything. I got a, I got a new mom. I got what I wanted. It's I got like, a family. Look at that. But also it's like, I keep saying refugee because I want to point it out that that's a, that's a refugee. And then you have, oh, what is the difference? I can't put my finger on it. I she just, wasn't put in a cage. She didn't die in a cage. I but a, why? I can't figure out why. Like, what is different about her than the other refugees? Hmm. I'll go to my could, grave wondering what the it, difference Could was. it have to do with, wait, there's, there's a five-letter word. Oh, I'm seeing a C. Oh, I'm seeing an O. Oh man, I, I can't. Col, 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 color, color. Oh, because Could she came from color? Europe. <laughs> she oh. was a European, so all was good. Yeah. Ah, European. I'm a pean. Yeah. It's all okay, but. Okay, moving on. MVPs. All right, go ahead. My MVP. There is a scene where Chris Kringle is putting Susie to bed with no other adults around. Oh, my tummy hurts. She is chewing bubblegum and able to blow a bubble, which I don't think I ever mastered. You don't know how to... That's right. My poppy taught me how. And... You only see her face. You hear Chris Kringle blowing a bubble. You only see her face. You hear the bubble pop. You only see her face. You don't see him until later when he's trying to get the bubble gum out of his beard. Her face, when that bubble pop, it was, uh, that was beautiful. That was just perfection. Three Oscar nominations by the time she was 25. Uh, that was That is worth watching the movie right there. Unbelievable. 
We we got robbed allegedly by RJ. Allegedly. Okay, my honorable mention is Thelma Ritter, the fire engine yes, mom. Yes, she was great. This was her yeah. film debut. This was the really? first film that she was in. She went on to be in so many other movies. Like, uh, well, she received six Academy Award nominations for Best Supporting Actress. And she also She's the won one it. that reminded me of... Yeah, of Ruth, Ruth Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Yeah, she was great. She was in so many movies. This was her first one. She was in All About Eve. Um, She was in a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. She was in Pillow Talk, The Birdman of Alcatraz. Pillow Talk. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll bet she worked at the... At the automat. Probably. But she, I think she was at the auto. She was great. She completely nailed the mom who was she just sure like did. unbelievable. Well, she sure did. But my real MVP is it has to be Edmund Edmund Gwen. And specifically Edmund Gwen's beard. This guy yes. he's my favorite Santa Claus of all time. And nerd alert, behind the scenes, tasty nugget. Everyone loved this man. He was fantastic. As jovial as he comes across on screen of just, you know, I know we've done close to 90 minutes about bashing how anyone would leave a kid (laughs) with a stranger. But I have to say, after watching this movie, I mean... I have a nerd alert question. Uh Uh-huh. Did it ever say how they got his eyes to twinkle so? No, he was just born to play this part. That's why he won an Oscar for it. His eyes literally twinkled. He's the best Kris Kringle ever. That's what they said. Everybody said that. He's fantastic. He's just, it's just his jolly good nature. Everybody loved him. Yeah. You know, everybody, this is stereotypical, like, ho, ho, ho. And like, you know, the rosy cheek. He, this dude just comes across as a good guy. Yes. Yes. So he's the real MVP of this. He sells the movie because I'm like, well, yeah, that is Santa. Try to recast him. Oh, well, that's funny when we get to my recasting. It was difficult. And we are two recasting. Oh, wow. All right. I have two casts. As do I. So I have my um, African-American cast. Mm. And I have my gender fluid cast. Interesting. So would you like me to go with my first cast? Yes. Okay. I'm going to do Chris last. I'm going to do Mrs. Walker. Now, you know, she was the non-believer, the no-nonsense. I'm going with Kiki Palmer. Oh, she would be a really good Mrs. Walker. Now, Susan, you know, people, casting children of color is difficult. It's really difficult now to because I realize I don't have a Susan for one of my cast, and it's it's just really difficult in general because 
you have to like it's so rare that you come across the child actor you're like man that's a great child actress right and then that you know that then that you know their name like the last great child actress i remember was hayden penitieri and that's from remember the titans so that's over 20 years old so i am outdated on child actors like dakota fanning back 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 in the day when she was with Denzel Washington in that movie? Yeah. Okay. But my my Susan is, uh, if you watch This Is Us, oh the youngest daughter of Randall and, oh, what's her name? Her name is Faith Herman. Oh. And she's, she, yeah, she's lovely. I'm telling you, it would be big shoes to fill, though, because Natalie would knock this out of the park. Well, what's her in the remake? Uh, Mara Wilson yes. was the girl, and she was really good. She she was adorable. She was adorable. Okay, and then my Mr. Gailey, I did O'Shea Jackson Jr. It has to be somebody who's yeah. really likable. He's very likable. He is indeed. Now, my Kris Kringle had to go with a person of color, over 60, Danny Glover. Danny Glover as Kris Kringle. He could be so good. It would would be. That would be really good. Such a, because he can be so sweet and everybody would believe him. Okay. So that's my first cast. Do you want to do my second cast or you want to do a cast? Um, I want to do a cast. Okay. All right. This is just my straight up 2019. We're trying to make this movie. Okay. So my Fred Gailey is Paul Rudd. I was going to do Chris Pine. Oh. Okay. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go with Paul Rudd. My Doris. Oh, Chris Pine is Kristen Bell. Yeah, she's good with, yeah, no matter what. Mm-hmm. My Chris Kringle is John Goodman. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I literally just pulled that out of my ass. This kept me up last night. I mean, I was doing my cast before I went to sleep last night. Trying, It's so hard to pick a Chris Kringle. It is. Um, And... My Susan, I called an audible and I changed it so it wouldn't be, although it could be interesting if it was still Susan, but remember in the Mick, the little boy, (gasps) Jack Stanton. I had forgotten about him. Mm -hmm. Because he's a really good kid actor. Oh, he is so good. Oh, he's so good at being a little weird. Yeah. Yes. So it might be in the 2019 one that it, it's Jack Stanton. It's Susan, but heck, he is Susan because he's uh, uh, what's it called? Gender fluid. Yes, that's what I was saying. Exactly. So my gender fluid cast. Mm-hmm. Not, not really gender fluid, but um, not gender fluid. But sexually fluid. Okay. Okay. So my Mrs. Walker here is Rachel McAdams. Mrs. Walker. So that's 
Maureen O'Hara is Rachel McAdams. Right. Because oh, she I has, can really see that. She would be good. Because she, she has to be a hard ass, but then mm-hmm. she has to come around at the end and be a soft heart. Mm-hmm. Hard ass, soft heart. And she has to be likable being a hard ass. Right. Which is not easy to do. Now, my Mr. Gailey is Miss Gailey, Ruth Nega. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just put a spin on that. Okay? Yeah, you've blown so many. This is not being shown in Middle America. You've blown too many minds. Yeah. Sorry, flyover states. Because my Susan then is, you don't watch this show, Mixed Dish. And there is the little girl on there. Miko Michelle Harris. You have recast this girl in everything, Ma. <laughs> but you have to watch her. She's a freaking amazing. All right. She, she's got the Natalie Wood, eh? She, she's got the Natalie Wood. So because it's Rachel McAdams. And then so Rachel McAdams had this child who is of mixed heritage and then Rachel McAdams thinks there's no love left for her. And then she, she finds, finds what? Ruth Nega. Ruth Nega. <laughs> and how perfect is that? Because then Ruth Nega can do her hair. <laughs> okay. And then my Chris Kringle. The Ruth Lake is like, oh, you just wanted me to take care of your kid's hair? <laughs> no, it's look at this woman. Who I have fallen in love with because she is absolutely everything I've looked for and I had no idea. <laughs> and she can deal with my kid's hair. And she can deal with that freaking hair. I, she's like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't I don't know that's what right. to do. I put it in a puff on the top of her head because that's all I know how to do. And Ruth goes, I got this. Give me some VO5. Or Ruth is like, I don't know. Your kid has different texture hair than me. I don't know. I know what I know my hair. I don't know what this what is this. We're gonna cut it really short and it's gonna be adorbs. (laughs) Now, my Chris Kringle, I'm sorry, I had to stick with Danny Glover. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, thank you. That's pretty good. Thank you. So that's your cast? That's my cast. All right. I went with what I'm calling an all time cast. Okay. All time. It means it like time time is just an illusion. Which it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My Fred Gailey. I'm throwing in Ozzy Davis. A young Ozzy Davis. Oh, I almost did Ozzy for Chris Kringle. No, I'm throwing it. He's Fred Gailey. Young Ozzy Davis is Fred Gailey. And oh. when I say young Ozzy Davis, I'm probably going thirty Late 30s, Ozzy Davis. Okay. Because then, for my Doris, I'm like, <gasps> Ruby D! Oh. Ruby D! Wow. <gasps> if right? only we could go back. And then I'm like, all right, my Kris Kringle. Well, if I already made the rules that this is all time, so uh, Edmund, come on back. You're reprising your role. <laughs> because nobody else can do it. No one else can do it better. Nobody does it better. So you're back in the role. And then you yes. want Susan. I'm like, great. Who are- 
all right, who, who's the kid? Who is Susan? Who's going to pull this off? You can't do Natalie Wood again. No, but I okay. can do Raven Simone. Oh, my God. A la Cosby Show. Exactly. <gasps> she was so adorable. You throw that in with some Ruby D and some Ozzy Ruby Davis. D, come on. Ruby D could be so hard ass. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I'm just going to throw this in just because I thought it was fun playing Mr. Macy himself, William H. Macy. Of course. Boom. Ouch. I like it. Well done. Yep. There you go. Okay. Tasty nuggets. All right. I have Natalie Wood actually thought he was Santa Claus until the rap party. I know. Imagine how she felt when she saw that he wasn't really Santa Claus. Uh, I think that she, like, was probably like, oh, okay. But then that, it just gets very uncomfortable because child actors and stuff, it's it's very uncomfortable. Now, another tasting nugget I didn't write down. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, somebody came to her and RJ and said, let's do. Ah, uh, yes, I did write this down. Okay, let's so go a, ahead with let's it. Let's do a television remake of Miracle on 34th Street. Right. You're going to play Doris. RJ's going to play Fred. And, their, and the daughter, Natasha Gregson Wagner, who was a child at the time, was going to play Susan. And Natalie Wood said, no. I was a child actor, and allegedly I heard that some bad things happened to her. I bet they did. Some Me Too type, like, awful things. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, nope, my kid, if my kid wants to go into acting later, that's fine, but not when they're a kid. Because big surprise news flash. Yeah, that probably like fucks up a kid, mm. right? I mean, you just said she didn't know that he wasn't really Santa Claus until the rap right. party. So right. I always get kind of uncomfortable when I see like most child actors and stuff. And then the ones that are really good, you just hope that, that they are just old souls who just get it. But yeah, really, and the truth is they're just kids. So, they are Judy Garland. I mean, this Just, Jack Stanton kid they were talking about, like any. That's why Natalie Wood was so um, is so rare and, for lack of a better word, awesome because we all know what happens to most child stars. Yeah. Somebody takes advantage in some way or another. Yeah, or they just they just can't deal. They grow up, they lose their looks, or they you know, there's something else. And it's really hard to go from being a kid to to Natalie Wood was able to stay in work. And that yeah. just doesn't happen. No. Shirley Temple left acting and I mean she had a good uh, she became a, an ambassador. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's very rare that that it ends up the good right. All good all the way through. Yeah. With no And I don't even think like all good all the way. It's not it's no. like just that it Drew Barrymore. Yeah. You know? Have rough patches but then come out of it 
and there's so many different things but just if you take out all of the the mental stuff and all of that just and you just are like focusing on profession how many of them are they're cast as a child and then they also work as an adult yes and and sometimes you'll see that but then also worked in the in-between years like I don't, I mean, yeah. Drew Barrymore Ooh, had her those problems and stuff. Years. But Natalie, Natalie Wood was still, she was doing Splendor in the Grass. She was, we had her in um, Devil Without a Cause, Rebel Without a Rebel, Cause, Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. yeah, just you know, teenager, and then yeah. West Side Story. Yeah, like damn, and then yeah. you. Bill and Alice and Bob and Ted or whatever that movie is. Thanks, I RJ. I never saw that movie. We should probably put it on the list. We'll need to put that on the list. Yeah. Um, another tasty nugget is that dude. What was Santa's name? Real name? Edwin. Edwin what? I think it was Edmund Gwyn. Gwen. He was actually the Santa for the Thanksgiving Day Parade in 1946 where they used real footage of the real parade from 1946. Are we sure he just wasn't Santa? I'm not. I I believe he might have been. Because I thought maybe um, technically they did something, you know, the lighting people did something to make sure his eyes sparkled. No. His eyes sparkled in this. And according to Maureen O'Hara DVD commentary, that was his real beard. Yes. Yes, I have that written down. It was his real beard. My God. Now, I have that that house. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, you're already gone. <laughs> the house that, that they find at the end of the movie that says that he really was Santa is still there in post Port Washington, New York. It's still there. It has a little bit of a different roof line because they added a window or something. Yeah. The opening day of this movie, Macy's closed for half a day so all the employees could go see the movie. Wow. It was in May, so, you know. <laughs> go ahead. It's not the Christmas rush. Now, which we know about, now the the shots in Macy's were actually in that Macy's. Mm. That We have gone up that wooden escalator. We have. So exciting. Now, I heard that this movie got a B rating from the Legion of Decency because the leading actress was divorced. And again, it was never said she was divorced. Yeah, she could I mean, be a widow. She could have been a widow. I don't understand why she there. they jumped to the conclusion in 1947 that she was divorced. I they, assume father wasn't around. He got killed. It very possibly could have happened. Or he could have had PTSD and be in an institution somewhere. Or he could have met some a nice lady in Italy and been like, yo, I'm just staying here, man. Yeah. Or a French woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa gained 30 pounds for the role. I could easily be Santa and gain 30 <laughs> pounds in, you know, three weeks. I could have it done. And in 1985, this movie was colorized. It was I did one of not the, watch the. It was one of the first ones. I'm guessing it was. It didn't go great because there was a big backlash. Yeah, that's what I heard. 
those are my tasty nuggets uh, and others were discussed throughout the this podcast. All right. Settle in. Settle in, boys and girls. Now, you'll remember from the particulars that Maureen O'Hara is buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Explain. That is because her third husband was Charles F. Blair Jr., and he was a former brigadier general in the U.S. Air Force. He was also that would be a, a one star. He was also a former chief pilot at Pan Am, and he was the founder of U.S. Virgin Islands Airline. Really? Not Virgin Atlantic and all that. Oh, okay. But okay. like, you know, when you're in the U.S. Virgin Islands, how there's all those islands. He yeah. was like, I got an idea, an airline that serves these islands. Okay. It sounds fantastic to me because that means you're spending a lot of time in the Caribbean, and I'm all for that. Well, he died in 1978 when his the plane he was, I'm assuming, piloting uh, crashed. It was on its way from St. Croix to St. Thomas. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, Maureen O'Hara was elected the CEO and president, and that made her the first woman president of a scheduled airline in the United States. Well done, Maureen. She also edited a travel magazine because Blair, before he died, bought her this travel magazine for the Caribbean, and so she edited it from 1976 to 1980. And then she sold it to USA Today. Well done. So I'm pretty sure she made a profit off of that. And then, and she could run these businesses because in the 1940s, she ran a clothing store in Tarzana. Wow. Yeah. She seems fascinating. That's why I was like her 2004 autobiography is called Tis Herself. I'm just like, man, this is wild. And all while this was happening with, like, running the airlines and all that, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And spoiler alert, she beat it. (gasps) Yay! (laughs) Because she didn't die until, like, pretty recently. Maybe, maybe, like, two in the, like, within this decade. Excellent. But... It's is I was like pre, I was like man Maureen O'Hara that this is pretty wild that's crazy she died in 2015. Wow. Okay. So she also she didn't want to do this movie because she's also she was born in Ireland she's Ir- Irish American and at this point in her career she had moved back to Ireland. And they sent her the script, and she read it. And she was like, all right, I'll be back. This yeah. is good. Um, the Christmas window displays, they are now on display. They went through all these different places, the FAO Schwartz, all these different places. But now those displays are at Marshall and Isley Bank in Milwaukee in the bank lobby of their North Water Street uh, branch. At this very moment. Yes. They say that they take them out every December according to Wikipedia. Wow. Um, it's one Best Supporting Actor for Edmund Green. Well done. Best Writing of Original Story for Valentine Davies. Best Screenplay by George Seaton. And it lost Best Picture to Gentleman's Agreement. Hmm. 
And you know how he there they mentioned um like oh he's Santa Claus, he's a fake and they said like oh yeah, it's just like the Russian guy and yeah, he said like a Russian guy who yeah. uh owns a restaurant and he pretends like he's Russian royalty. That was Michael Romanoff they were alluding to. Of the Romanoffs. Well, alleged, I guess allegedly. But so he had a, a place in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. So that's what they were saying. So it's Michael Romanoff. And those are my tasty nuggets. And that is Miracle on 34th Street. Yes. This podcast is You're longer welcome. than the movie. Yeah. So <laughs> how long have we been on? An hour and 51 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll end up before the end of two hours mm -hmm. because you're going to tell us, well, we're going to have a winter hiatus. Mm -hmm. And then when we come back in January, our next movie is? To be determined. <laughs> Why are you putting me on the spot? You know that it's the winter hiatus. We're not going to. Oh, okay. Well. We I have, have to see uh, what tickles my fancy. I asked for suggestions for our 100th episode, which is four episodes from now, I believe. No, it's three. This is 97. It's three episodes. Okay, three from more now. episodes. So Megan suggested Easter Parade. Mrs. A suggested Funny Girl. Oh. So those are the suggestions we have. And we are milling those around because we listen to our listeners. If you have a suggestion, let us know. Because uh, we have not yet determined that. We will determine that over Gimlet's this Christmas. Yes. Yes. I don't think we have enough listeners to do a mailbag episode. Probably not. <laughs> but we do appreciate each and every one of our listeners. And we wish you... The merriest of Christmases. Merry Christmas and also happy holidays. Happy holidays for all of our listeners who do not celebrate Christmas or who do but want to be included with all of the other wonderful winter holidays coming up. Just, just celebrate. Celebrate. Have a wonderful time. I hope uh, family is in your future or not, depending on who you are and what you want. So there we go. Thank you so much. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.